time in Philippians, we will actually be starting a new series two weeks from now uh, on the Gospel of Luke, uh, which is entitled, Come and Follow Me. And so we're going to walk uh, in the steps of the disciples uh, as they encounter Jesus Christ and the journey that he takes them on in the book of Luke. So make sure to spread that uh, to folks so they can be a part of it. This is Philippians 4, 14 through 19. It says this, hear the word of the Lord. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I was recently perusing the business and finance section of the Wall Street Journal, something I do from time to time when I'm examining my vast portfolio. And my portfolio is basically in futures. So I always go specifically to taking a look at some of the most important investments, pork bellies and orange juice. So let's see how we did with pork bellies and orange juice as I continue to try to find. Okay, here we go. Pork belly, let's work on orange juice. Uh, this was, I guess, uh, Friday. Started out at 136.80. Uh, the low was 134.95. It finished at 135. 135. Does that mean $135 for a glass of orange juice? How does one actually quantify orange juice? Like a crate of orange juice? I don't know, but I'm investing in it. How about, these are jokes, people. This is good stuff here, okay? Like you could be sitting in some boring pasture, like, uh, uh, uh. come on, work with me, sheesh. All right, how about this? How about uh, cattle feet? Oh, here we go. Where are the hogs? Lean hogs, as opposed to fat hogs? I don't know. Okay, we started at 86.25. We finished up at 85.600. Is that for one lean hog, by the way? How does one calculate what one lean hog is? I don't know. My point is that investments, I have a poor history of investments. I don't know about you. But I can't seem to figure out what's the right thing to invest in and when. So I'm going to give you guys an investment uh, exercise, an investment tool to see how smart you are, okay? Here's the question. I could either give you a million dollars right now don't answer this if you know it. A million dollars right now, or I will give you a penny that doubles on itself every day for one month. Give you a million bucks now, or I'll give you a penny that will double on itself for 30 days. Who wants the million? Everyone's like, oh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to take the million. No, no, no. Okay, so... Some of you are incredulous as to this, and so it is my job to show you that in fact, if you start at day one, you've got a penny, right? Day two, two cents. Day six, you're already 20% into the month, you have a whopping 32 cents. 
Day 10, 33% into the month, $5.12. Now it starts to get a little bigger, doesn't it? We've got day 15, 163 bucks. Wow, you can go see a movie. Or day 20, $5,242. But still, we're only at $5,000, not a million. Day 20, 5,000 doubles to 10, 10 doubles to 20, 20 doubles to 40, 40 doubles to 83, 83 doubles to 167, sold to the man in the front. And then we go from 167, doubling to 335, to 6, to 1.3, to 2.6, to 5.3 million dollars in 30 days. And imagine if it was a 31 uh, day month. <laughs> 10.6 million dollars. Wow, on the face of it, it seems you should take the million. But this hidden investment is really what you should have taken. This passage is about investing. It's about investing in the right things. You know, there are all sorts of investments that we make. Financial investments, emotional investments, and there are spiritual investments. And Paul is saying that the spiritual investments are the most important. Because all other investments, emotional and financial, come out of the spiritual decisions and investments we've made. And so Paul, as he is closing this book, uh, is essentially giving a shareholder's report to the Philippians. What is the return on investment for what you have done with your spiritual investment in me and in the gospel? See, the question for all of us is this. We have limited resources. We have limited time. So how are we going to invest ourselves? What will be our shareholders report at the end of our life? The truth of the matter is this. Since Jesus has invested sacrificially in us, he gives us the courage, he gives us the vision to give all of ourselves to spiritually invest in him and in those around us. So we're going to do a little spiritual investing seminar here. You ever gone to a financial investing seminar? It's a spiritual investing seminar. As we look at this passage, we're going to look at three specific questions. Number one, how do you spiritually invest? How do I do that? I get how to buy orange juice. Well, maybe some of you do. But how do I spiritually invest? That brings me to the second question. What is, excuse me, number one is what is a spiritual investment? What is a spiritual investment? Number two, why do we spiritually invest? What, why, and finally number three, what is the result of spiritual investing? Well, let's take a look. What is a spiritual investment? Philippians 4.14 in your bulletin says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians know yourselves that in the beginning of the gospel... When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Now remember, Paul, last week we talked about how Paul says, thank you for taking care of me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then he says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. In fact, Philippians, you were the only ones of all the churches that entered into a formal partnership with me where you said that you are with me in need, in plenty, in want. You know, Paul was integral in starting the Philippian church. If you read the story in the book of Acts, he goes into the church, he founds it, he starts meeting with people. Well, the people that don't like the church get riled up, they arrest him, uh, they severely flog him, they throw him in prison. 
And this, there's that miraculous story about how he's released in prison and the jailer comes to faith. And he stays in the jail. Well, right after he stays in the jail, um, they go ahead and they kick him out of the city. They say, please leave. And so Paul leaves probably with not very much on his back. But the Philippians decided to invest in Paul with financial and physical aid. They basically said, we believe in you, Paul. So as you go, you're going with us. So the next place Paul went was into Thessalonica. And notice it says in verse 16, Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. It's not just a one time. And we know in Corinth, he speaks to the Corinthians. He said, when I was with you and in need, I didn't burden anyone. Because the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my needs. So I refrain and will refrain from burdening you anyway. Because of the Philippians, he was able to preach the gospel free of charge with no strings attached. Now we know the Thessalonians and the Corinthian church grew to become powerful and strong churches. Many believers came to them. So Paul and the Philippians, stay focused, Carlos, stay focused, stay focused. Stay focused, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Okay, I'm still in. Paul talks about the Philippians and he says, your partnership in the gospel. See, they are partners. I'm going to continue to stay focused, stay focused. Okay. Now Paul is going... But the Philippians are staying, but they're with them. They're partners in the gospel. And so Paul says, not that I seek the gift that you have given me. I'm thankful for it, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul, as the church planner, is concerned about their spiritual growth. So he says, I seek the fruit. You know, the fruit is the consequence of the tree, right? It's the final blossoming, the final proof that whatever has happened inside emerges outside. Paul is saying, I seek the fruit of your action, the fruit of your heart. I'm seeking the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. I see that you have changed, Philippians, that you have learned that it is better to give than to receive. Paul is evaluating their investment, the fruit of it. And he's saying, I'm pleased because you have produced fruit that increases to your credit. Interesting word, right? Credit. We all know a little bit about credit. Paul's not talking about salvation here when he's talking about credit. He's talking about something different. In fact, there are two ledgers that your name is in. Did you know that? Hopefully in. If you are a Christian, your name is written in the book, in the ledger of life that's in heaven. How do I get my name in the book? Acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Master. Your name is written in the book. Now the price to get in that book is way too high. We could never pay it. But there's another ledger. The first one is a ledger of life, but the second one is a ledger of our life in Christ. What did I do with my life? What am I doing after becoming a Christian? Paul in 1 Corinthians says that no one can lay any foundation other than the one which is already laid in you, which is Christ Jesus. But you must build on it. If anyone builds with gold or silver or precious stones, hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work he has done. Christians, we will give an account of ourselves, not simply for salvation, but what we've done with our life. Remember the, pa pa the parable of the sower? You know, you have these different folks. Number one, they heard the word, but Satan comes along and snatches it away. 
You have other folks, they hear the word and it goes down, but the worries of this life and the deceit of wealth choke the, choke the seed, making it unfruitful. That's a picture of people that have really wasted their life. Are they Christians? I think so. But they've let the world overtake them. But then there's finally the good investor who hears the word, puts it into practice, lets it go deep down, lives out of it, and produces a harvest. The first ledger we can only change by trusting in Christ. But the second ledger we can change by producing fruit that increases to our credit. By investing in things that are important to God. Simple acts of love to one another. A passion for his gospel being spread. See this passage, it's not speaking just to individuals, it's speaking to the church. You church of Philippi. And so he's speaking to us, Redeemer Presbyterian. I guess there's a ledger for our church as well. Are we seeking fruit that increases to our credit? That church gave materially to Paul and they received spiritually from the Lord. We had an opportunity uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. We were at a presbytery meeting. Our, uh, we are one of 13 churches in a presbytery, PCA churches, and I brought some folks there. And Redeemer is technically still a church plant. We have not elected our elders yet. When we do, we will become an independent, fully-fledged, independent church. And as such, we still receive funds from uh, uh, our presbytery. Everybody throws in money and we see, receive funds. Not as much as when we were younger. But we were supposed to receive some funds. Probably about $2,500 to $3,000 from the presbytery. Well, there is a new church plant in Elizabeth City. Uh, PCA church plant, a church that already existed, who wanted to come under the PCA, who was struggling, and they said they wanted to be part of us, and after evaluating them and looking at their theology, we said, yes, we want you to be a part of us. They've experienced some hard times, and so when we were uh, talking about the budget, uh, after looking at some of the men, I went up to the microphone, and I said, whatever is supposed to come to us, I want that to go ahead and go to the church in Elizabeth City because they need it more than us. I got a chance to call uh, one of the folks who's uh, influential and, and uh, helping to lead that church and I want to play it because this was the response uh, that she had when I talked to her. We're doing okay, so... Nice and loud. Who came and spoke to us two weeks ago. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, so we are grateful, so grateful. That is wonderful. And we also heard about that from the French. Yes, yes. Um, well, yeah. what, I, what, I, what I, if you could just share with me just a little bit about, you know, where your church is at and, you know, how that was helpful to you. That's the kind of stuff I can take back to my church tomorrow in the sermon so they can be encouraged about, you know, helping other churches and being a part of what God's doing. because we're all very, um, you know, we're weary of waiting. Now, we're going to wait because that's where the Lord has us. But um, anything that happens, anybody that joins our group, any support that we get is just a huge boost to an encouragement to us. So that was very encouraging. And just to know that we're backed and supported is just tremendous because we, um, you know, I think we felt a little bit like an island. We, we did try to plant before with a, a sovereign grace pastor, and I don't know if you remember story, but it, it just wasn't thought out as well as probably we should have. He was um, 
wasn't content here. And so we've, we've been through a lot at this point. Um, but we have the same families. We've stuck together. We've had another family join us recently. And so, um, you know, it's been kind of a long road for the six original families. So it was just a boost of support that we, I think, are, are feeling like we need. And that is between that and having the pastors actually come and preach to us. That's been just tremendously wonderful. And we just feel just comfortable being in, you know, the embrace of the Presbyterian denomination. We're just so thrilled about that. Oh, that's great. Wow. Well, how, how can we be praying for you, Carol? You know, here is a group of people. I, I, I can sympathize with what she said. We were discouraged. We felt like an island. Uh, you know, we had sort of these six families coming together and, and uh, we had lost our way, but we were coming together. And she said, any, any way people can come alongside us and encourage us gives us the strength to continue. And so us as a church plant had the honor and privilege of doing this very thing, coming alongside another church, investing in them. And we will bear the fruit of that investment as we uh, do things for the Lord and for His church. See guys, we're all investing in something. Every single one of you. Are you investing in the things that matter? Or is it the things that don't matter at all? The relentless pursuit of fame and fortune and reputation and stuff. Is your investing bearing fruit for the kingdom that increases to your credit? What Paul is saying here is to invest for the kingdom. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. In your relationships outside, with your family, with unbelievers, with this community. You are the representative of the church wherever you go. So invest for the kingdom with who you are, but invest also with Christ's church. You know, think about that. We've probably got about 80 people here. If everybody reached out and brought one person Next, uh, next week, you know how many people we'd have? 160 people. It's like the doubling. What if 160 people reached out? You know, I bet we can hold about 200, 215 in this congregation. Are we investing in the things of the kingdom? Investment always has risk. That's why we're investing in Robert Knuth with RUF at the University of Georgia. Because we see him as a good investment to reach out on that campus to reach people for Christ. And so we support him. And so we're all investing in something. Make sure that your investments are spiritual investments. Because if you do, you'll experience that it is better to give and receive. And you'll experience the joy of being a part of what God is doing. This brings me to my second point. What is spiritual investment? Number two, why spiritually invest? Listen to what Paul says, verse 18. I have received full payment. And more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What the Philippians promised, they fulfilled. And this gift, according to Paul, is a fragrant offering, a pleasing sacrifice. How is that possible? Now these words have been used in the Bible in the Old Testament as they did offerings and sacrifices. And there was a pleasing aroma that would come from these sacrifices. That God would say it was pleasing. Well, God is a spirit. He doesn't have nostrils. What is he talking about? This pleasing aroma 
when Noah sacrificed animals and, and the Lord smell, smelled the pleasing aroma and said, never again will I flood the earth or put this curse upon people and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. See, the word pleasing aroma means rest and tranquility. In fact, the word Noah means the same thing. Remember, he will give us rest from our troubles. This sacrifice brought a rest between them. See, think about relationships that are alienated. The pain and frustration. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed by anyone. I don't know if you've ever been abandoned by anyone. But the greater the betrayal, the greater the abandonment, the greater the hurt. And the greater the price of restoration. God is perfectly just. And we all have sinned and rebelled and fall short of the glory of God. And we all have inflicted pain on everyone around us as we have inflicted pain on God. And so God put in place these sacrifices to bring a temporary peace. But it wasn't just what you did. It was how you did it in the Old Testament. It wasn't just your action. It was your motive. You know, when you hurt someone, it's not enough to come to them and say, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes words aren't enough when the pain is so deep. And so God put in, He said, if you really are interested in mending your relationship with me, these are the things that you have to do in your sacrifice. Number one, it has to be in line with what God requires. Can't just bring anything and say, God, here it is. Here's a sacrifice. No, God gave prescriptions. It has to be in line with God required. If your wife loves beautiful roses, do you take her a bunch of wilting geraniums? It's not going to go over well, is it? It's what's acceptable to God. Number two, I want you to bring your best, said God. If you bring an offering, God said, I want you to bring the best from the sheep and the goats, a male without defect, not spotted, pure. In fact, in the book of Malachi, he rebukes the Israelites because they're coming and making a big show of it, but they're taking the worst from the flocks and they're bringing it. And God says, don't even bring it if you're not going to bring your best. It has to be in line with what God required. It has to be the best. Three, it had to cost you something. That's why we have the term sacrifice, right? Back in the day, uh, these Israelites, they didn't have stocks. They had flocks. Okay? Flocks were the currency. How big was your herd? How much? That was a symbol of your wealth. So to give from your flock is to give from your wealth. It's a sacrifice. Remember David, he had committed a sin and he wanted to buy a threshing floor because God called him to make a sacrifice. And he goes to this threshing floor and the guy recognizes David and he said, take it. Take my cattle, take my oxen, I honor you, you don't have to pay anything. And David said, I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. It had to cost you something and it had to show a recognition of who God is. Well, in the New Testament we see the perfect sacrifice in Ephesians 5 2 where Paul says that Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What God required for you and me was the Son of God on a cross to die in our place 
He wanted the best. His very son was the only that would do. And it had to cost. The cost was immense, wasn't it? The one who was innocent, dying for people who were his enemies. And it was a fragrant offering, pleasing and sufficient, because it was the heart of God. There is no greater love than one who gives up his life for his friends. And the return on investment of Jesus Christ was that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. This love and sacrifice, the result for us is we no longer sacrifice to atone for our sins, like in the Old Testament. We sacrifice to bring joy. We sacrifice out of thanksgiving. See, when there's a rift between people, your sacrifice is always to pay a debt. It's always in fear that you don't know if there's enough. But when there's no rift, when you're no longer enemies, but sons and daughters of the living God through Christ. You can bring sacrifices with thanksgiving and joy and gratitude with no hidden motives. See, what Paul is saying to the Philippians, you didn't have to do this, but you wanted to. This was a sacrifice for me, yes, but for God in gratitude that He had found you and that He had rescued you. So our sacrifices now are sacrifices of joy. I love my kids. They're my most precious investment along with my wife. And my beautiful daughter Maria will often draw uh, expensive art in the uh, mode of Monet or Surat, uh, this pointillism, to show how much she loves me. So here's one right here of Maria. There's mom, so cute, dad, handsome, and we have some friends of ours, Daniel, Will, there's Marky, and all of these friends. You know, this isn't much from an investment standpoint. It's not going to sell in any art gallery. But it means the world to me. Why? Because it was an offering from my daughter to me. There was sacrifice. She had to take time and draw it. But it was an offering of joy. Why do we spiritually invest? Because of the joy of the Lord. Because of the blessing of all that He's done for us. Jesus has invested sacrificially for us and given us safety and peace so that we can give all of ourselves to Him and to the things that He cares about. So if you are spiritually investing, what's it because of? Is it fear? Is it obligation? Do you have to or do you want to? Acknowledge His investment in you. That you're worthy enough for Him to die for. So other people are worthy enough for you to invest in. Give your best. Make it cost. Let it be a fragrant sacrifice. This brings me to my final point that we understand what a spiritual investment is, we know why should we should do it, let's look at the return, the result of spiritual investment. Verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours, Philippians, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus has spiritually invested in you. 
and you are his return on investment. And you take care of your most valuable investment, don't you? Probably not pork bellies, probably not orange juice. My most valuable investment is my family. I would do anything to guard my family and watch over them and keep them safe. God watches over his most valuable investment too, doesn't he? He paid everything to get us. And so our God who died for us will supply every need. Not might supply, not have to supply, not could supply, will supply every need. Think of your needs, physical needs, emotional needs. We're constantly running empty in so many different ways. We have so many needs, it would take me hours to catalog them. Think of your own needs. And yet God says, I will supply every need. Now he doesn't say, God will supply every greed according to yours in Christ Jesus. He knows what we need. I used to think I know what I needed. As life has gone on, I've realized that I don't have a clue what I need. My kids think about what they need from a kid perspective. They don't know much as, uh, much as Ken was talking about. But a loving father and mother know. And we take care of their needs. Does he have enough? See, some of you, you believe that yes, God would do that. But he's busy. Around the world, he's got to take care of everyone. He can't be burdened with my needs. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. His love leads to his commitment. And Christ is a bank that will never break. What shall we say in response to this, asked Paul. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? His resources are boundless. He is the king of kings, the sustainer of the universe, the one that keeps every atom in your body in proper orbit. We should never fear to draw upon the accounts of God because they never run deep. They never run out. His love for us is inexhaustible and so are his resources. So we must invest and expect and look for and ask for a return on our investment. Spiritual investing is our way of saying to God, you have more than enough. And I'm going to live as you, sacrificing and giving for what you are all about. To spiritually invest is to live with an open hand, saying you and your resources are more than enough. And the return on investment is joy and peace, because you need not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, for the Lord will surround you. Don't be a slave to things. Be a slave to God. Take your resources, time, and talent and treasure and seek to invest them in God's kingdom, in God's church. Experience the joy of giving and receiving. See your ledger increase as you look forward to the day where you stand before him and he says, well done, 
good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the little I give you. Come now and enter into your master's happiness. Since Jesus has invested sacrificially in us, we can give all of ourselves joyously, thankfully, entirely to him and to one another. And by God's grace, we will do so. Let's pray. Lord, when we survey your wondrous cross and the gift that you would die for us to ransom us, that you would view us so worthy as a spiritual investment that you would give your very life. It's astounding. Lord, help us to understand that we are free in you, that we have everything that we need in you and that you will supply every need according to your glorious riches. Let us look to you for our needs, not to the world for our greeds. Lord, help us to invest in the things that really matter. The work of this church, the work of the kingdom, the work of what you're seeking to do in this world as you transform it more and more and in the ultimate day we'll resurrect it in all of creation. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your love. May we return it a hundredfold through your spirit. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.